first instance of malfeasance by the commissioner of what we're seeing. At some point, some Chinese food's going to pull up and we're going to pause the recording and eat it. Josh Groban! He's eating his own sushi! That's the most baller thing I've ever seen! Like, everyone doesn't look good naked all the time. I love this cornbread so much, I want to take it behind a middle school and get it pregnant. Cool beans, man. I live by the quarry. We should hang out by the quarry and throw things down there. What you doing? Our cats were just about to have sex. Ooh, shaking his fanny at us. <laughs> Meow. Mother, may I? Bone! Ryan. Hello. What is up, buddy? Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we're going to here to talk about something really cool. That's right, man. We are definitely going to talk about something really cool, and that is Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. Uh, Best show currently still running new episodes on television, in my opinion. Agreed. All the heartwarming goodness. All the funny ha-ha-has. Just Mm -hmm. all the goods. Taking sitcom to a different tier of uh, emotional impact, I think. I completely agree, sir. Uh, It is just a wonderful 22-episode ride, and we are expecting the third and sadly already final season which is apparently now being pushed back to early 2023. That's what I heard. Which is sad, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'm patient. Uh, obviously, they feel they need to make some changes, so good for them. You know, do what you got to do. I'm like, Whatever time frame they release it, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Because we were initially looking at fall or winter 2022. Indeed. Right? That is a fact. And that's what's been getting me through this whole year, but I can... I can last. Yeah, we can keep pushing forward, baby. Life can keep ticking on. Mm-hmm. Just keep counting the days till Ted Lasso season three. That's right. Maybe it'll never come out. We can keep counting down. Yeah, we can just talk about the first two seasons forever. Every year, the annual. The annual two-season recap. <laughs> yeah. That's a tradition I could get used to if they just keep pushing it back through perpetuity. Right. Yeah, I'd probably need it, you know, the just annual reminder yeah i'll need that and a heavier dosage of therapy than i already received (laughs) which uh ted lasso is one of the reasons i finally talked myself into starting therapy last year and uh i'm so grateful for that because therapy is awesome if you've never done it go for it people get you some therapy it's sweet highly recommend therapy yeah it's the best love that shit Mm -hmm. i think that you you know depending on your uh mannerisms and and who your personality you can maybe Find a better fit than someone like Dr. Sharon in Ted Lasso. Sure. For you, I know that if I was in therapy with Sharon, I would not be the most comfortable. She's very intense. She is quite intense, for sure. Um, and for some people, I think that's really necessary and needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess those are the same thing. I don't really need to say necessary and needed. <laughs> They're necessarily needed. Necessarily needed. A little into. That's the wrong show. <laughs> Doing letter abbreviations on my show that doesn't involve letter abbreviations. Right. Check out D2B2 Sports. Anyway. Uh, yeah, dude. So Ted Lasso. Ryan and I adore this show. And so what we're going to do today, we're just going to literally 
talk about the entire series episode by episode. And then we are going to dive into some of our thoughts and feelings about the way season three might be headed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, no time like the present. Let's just dive right in. First of all, kick-ass theme song. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Catchy. It's great. Does the first episode start with the theme song or is there a cold open? There is a cold open. It's the it's the Sports Center montage. It's like the Scott Van Pelt talking about like uh Mhm. It's it's Rebecca firing the old coach. Right. And that Sports Center opening montage about them hiring a guy from uh Kansas to play football. And they play his dancing. And they show the dancing video clip. and then the theme song. I, I believe. I think that's correct. And what's interesting about what I learned about the dancing clip is that apparently Jason Sudeikis is known for his break dancing and grew up doing it. And is also, you can find old SNL sketches of with uh, featuring Jason Sudeikis, apparently doing the same dance that he does in the video. And uh, I guess he's really just a fan. I mean, you can tell watching him. He's a fantastic dancer. Fantastic dancer. Uh, spirited dancer to mm-hmm. boot, uh, which I love because I'm a bad dancer but spirited you are spirit yeah you're a spirited dancer i'm a spirited dancer i'm not good at it but i'm spirited about it so i respect those who really go for it especially when they actually have some skill like mr sudeikis see i don't have any moves i can move but i don't have like you that's a move that's a specific move for sure practice that move maybe in front of a mirror i don't know (laughs) i he probably did. I mean, because he also does the Carlton in an episode. Oh, right. Yeah. He, he talks about how Alfonso Ribeiro is the greatest physical comedian of the 90s. <laughs> we can save the mirror. We should probably save the mirror conversation for the theories sec, uh, section of this episode. I theorize that Jason Sudeikis has a mirror and practices dancing. I'm going to save it. Well, we'll, we'll wait for later. Yeah. Yep. A little teaser for later in the episode there about mirrors. <laughs> Stick with us, folks. Hang in there, everybody. But I love it. It's uh yeah, great. They do cold opens well as well, but there're a lot of I feel like they're too long like we didn't include many of them in our cold opens discussion. You had one. I did have one. Because that one's kind of short. But a lot of them are like three, four minutes before they really get into the thing. And there's usually like, it feels like two scenes. Right. But their openings are always pretty fun. Good ways to start the episode. So let's talk about that pilot further. They, they start with that cold open. And we see, we get to meet Ted Lasso and Coach Beard as they fly over. Funny little jokes about if we run into each other in our dreams, let's pretend we don't know each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all, all those little things. Mm-hmm. And then we find out the fruits of the plan as Rebecca thrusts Ted into the... Um, <clears throat> head coaching role. Thrusts him right yeah. into the press conference in the head coaching mm-hmm. role and eventually reveals to Higgins her plan to wreck the football team despite her ex-husband. Right, Rupert. Rupert. Man, that guy's such a good television villain. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that when we meet him, but mm-hmm. such a dickbag. Just instantly want to cheer against that guy. You mm-hmm. meet him, and within seconds, you're like, oh, yeah, screw that guy. Mm-hmm. And as Ted's getting like introduced and thrust in you know, to this world, it becomes it, it's great for American audiences, I think, because we see, we know exactly the kind of guy that we're dealing with. You know, this, I think he coached like Wichita State football. Or something like That's that. That's exactly right. Right, yeah. Wichita State D two football coach, and um, 
just like seeing him in the in the proper English world and the, knowing that he knows nothing about soccer as well. It's just like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, great premise right away. Simple premise. But yeah, we even see like the college side of Ted Lasso right away in that Sports Center clip with the dancing that you mentioned. We we learn right away that he's this like jovial guy that is there to raise spirits. We figure mm-hmm. this out instantly about this character. Right. And uh, it's that side of the show that I always connect with the most. It's the power of positivity mm-hmm. and healing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. It's nice to see someone like that brought into the professional sports world. Um, you know, that's often so... Right. Machismo. Machismo. And, yeah, I mean, Jamie Tart's character, who's introduced in the first episode, too, was sort of the antithesis. To take yourself so seriously, you know, and so cocky, so not a team player. Yep. You know. Big time. Yeah. You get the wholesome team first teach young men to be better versions of themselves guy meeting the young copy cocky budding superstar who doesn't give a shit about the team mm-hmm. instant conflict baked right in right and it's interesting too because the team at that point essentially like relies on him i mean he's kind of rightfully i mean maybe not rightfully but he's he's the star of the team yeah. you he's know accurate in his assessment of self mm-hmm. in terms of his value to the team right and I mean, he's very talented yeah but you know you know coach coach lasso bringing in this this different side of it well as we'll see in our discussion does a number for him you know in oh, terms huge of number. improving his play and making him a much better person yeah, which uh, we we get several times throughout the series the constant reminder that Ted loves coaching because of the impact he gets to have on making young men better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that time and time again is reiterated as part of his credo. And we only get like the tiniest glimpse of it in this first episode as after the locker room clears out, he's adjusting Keeley's photo and putting tape over her nips in mm-hmm. that picture he has in his, uh, of her in his locker, mm-hmm. which we never see the nips for the mm-hmm. record. It's just kind of like he covers them up. And uh, we learn in just that little glimpse right there in that first episode the type of character Ted Lasso is. Right. Wholesome. And maybe... The, I mean, he kind of comes off as naive, I think. A little, a little bit. A little bit of naivete. You know, I'd agree with that. Like slapping up the believe sign... At that point, seems kind of like, wouldn't say childish, but below the ranks of professional soccer. Yes. To throw up there, for sure. Yeah, it definitely feels very of the college atmosphere. That type of that type of thing. It feels like a like almost like middle school soccer, or or high school. I'm sure. not even sure if it would be college. You know. Uh, well, I don't know. I think some. I think a lot of colleges have like a thing in the tunnel they slap on the way out and stuff. That's true. Like I know, like Notre Dame does. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think Michigan does too. But the idea of it being a uh, uh, piece of you know construction paper that says "believe" on it, <laughs> as we learn eventually, they're taped all over his house. <laughs> right. Got one in the mirror when I wake up in the morning to remind me to floss. Right. <laughs> That's right. We also are introduced to well, we just mentioned Jamie and Keely, but we get to see them as a couple. Because they're together at the yeah. beginning of the series, which is, um, you know, I think she's a model and he's the star and it sort of makes sense in some ways. Sure. But she comes off as, a, I think, a much nicer person. Much more kicker. rounded human being, for sure. Like mm-hmm. she, We even, over the first couple episodes, get to figure out that she has a pretty 
intellectual perspective on what she does for a living. Like she she jokes about how she's famous for being almost famous, and like she kind of understands what her life is now. She's a bit older too. She's, right, she's older. Where than... he's like twenty three, she's close to thirty. Mm-hmm. Right, been around the block a little bit. Indeed. Yeah, that's an inter- another dynamic we get to learn about in quick fashion. Class, classic sitcom pilot stuff where you're meeting a bunch of new characters at once and with a lot of them you're only going to get a scene or two to kind of just like learn the basics of what they are to the show. Right, right, right. And their foundations are laid out. Um, I think my favorite character introduction of the show is of Nathan as Ted and Coach Beard are on the pitch and they're like pick, pluck a couple pieces of grass and it's like a love a field mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's coming running around wait get off the pitch right. get off the pitch <laughs> yeah. and uh, they ask him his name and he responds no one ever asked me my name <laughs> and then they just pause waiting for him to respond and they go well <laughs> and then he introduced himself I'm, I'm Nathan right and he, from then on he is Nate the Great Right, I mean, I think he's he's part of the reason he's running over to them is because people have been walking their dogs on the pitch, right? And the dogs have been yeah, dogs have been crapping on the on shitting the on the field. Yes, yeah. I believe right. you're correct. Because yeah, it's not just the uh, it's not just Earl the Greyhound, their mascot, but yeah, some other dogs apparently <laughs> have been on the pitch as well. Right. I think we also in the first episode get our first introduction of the the bar crew, who are some of my favorite characters. Oh yeah, those and guys those, are great. Those three of them, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the bartender, the owner of May, is one of my May. favorite side mm-hmm. characters for sure. She she is so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode where she makes a side joke about um, having a Richmond tattoo already, and they ask her where, and she goes, "None of your fucking business." <laughs> it's just so funny, right? Funny stuff. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's a, it's a pretty traditional sitcom pilot. Like mm-hmm. uh, you you don't really get a feel for. What makes Ted Lasso special in this episode? It it feels very traditional sitcom pilot. Mm-hmm. I couple, agree. A couple nice moments, some funny stuff, and uh, great introductions of several characters. You can you, you learn the basics. You get right. thrust into the universe we're gonna live in. Mm-hmm. You learn that Ted Lasso is being called a wanker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love that. <laughs> we'll get to my favorite joke about a wanker in a few episodes. Cool. But uh, episode two. Biscuits. Did you know that this one is directed by Zach Braff? What? I did not know that. <laughs> I didn't oh, know that either. I knew that he directed an episode. I didn't know it was this one. It's the second episode of season nice. one. I think he's directed more than one. I think he did one in, in season two as well. Cool. Uh, he actually gets a lot of directing work. Like, Zach Braff does a decent amount of directing work of stuff he's not even in as an actor, <laughs> which is interesting. Interesting. Good for him. I didn't know he was involved with the show, honestly. Um, yeah, so he's he's maintained his friendship with Bill Lawrence, the creator of both Scrubs and Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. over the years since Scrubs. So he has been, uh, he, I believe he's directed one episode in each of the two seasons. Very cool. But uh, Bill Lawrence, like he also directed a couple episodes of Cougar Town in that run, which is a Bill Lawrence show. Mm-hmm. They've maintained their friendship over the years, so it makes sense that he'd be involved at some level. Very cool. Indeed. But episode two, titled Biscuits. We, uh, after, at the end of episode one, finding out that Rebecca gives Higgins a promotion for him to stay on board with her diabolical plan, um, if we get to see Biscuits with the Boss for the first time. Ted, in his attempt to gain a kinship with Rebecca, brings her some biscuits mm-hmm. uh, in this cute little pink box, 
and he tries to butter up, talks about first concerts, favorite concerts, um, sings to her, mm-hmm. just goes full Ted Lasso on her while she's just trying to get him the fuck out of her office. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to refuse the biscuits, right? Yeah, she's trying to refuse the biscuits, but then she takes a bite, and you can tell she's just like, oh, fuck, these are good. <laughs> I think that's what she says. Yeah, fuck. I, I think it's fuck me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, she's one of the characters on the show that doesn't use a ton of F-bombs, but they're all effective when she right. does. Like, mm-hmm. every time she says fuck, she and Ted, in fact, seldom say fuck, but when they do, it's mm-hmm. gold. And the most important F-bomb that she drops in the entire series is not the word fuck, but actually the word frozen, her performance of Let It Go. In, from the movie Frozen. Yeah. Chills. Wow. Literal chills. Literal chills. Yeah, big time. And we will get to that in a handful of episodes. But um, aside from that, we get to see some more Ted Lasso and Keeley stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see that uh, Rebecca sees the two of them together in a brief moment. The lion or panda moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the lion or panda moment uh, the, he's like feeding her a sandwich right yeah yeah it leads to the, uh, him feeding her a sandwich and a photographer on Rebecca's command sneaking some pictures of them and getting ready to leak an article about mm-hmm. how the two of them are a thing mm-hmm. so diabolical Rebecca very diabolical but I like even before the sandwich feeding the that's the first interaction between Keely and Rebecca who eventually become dear pals and mm-hmm. one of my favorite friendships on the show that's a great I, one i love the keely and rebecca dynamic once once keely decides she's not afraid of rebecca anymore <laughs> and just like shows up takes her shoes off in the office compliments her tits right. like it's just from, they just become fast pals mm-hmm. and i love it they're so they're such cute friends they are yeah that's but that's not this scene right that's it's... not that well th- this scene is the meeting and uh she's asking ted if he'd rather be a lion or panda and then he, she asks rebecca if she'd rather be a lion or panda she's like i don't have time and walks away right. uh-huh. and then turns around and yells it's a fucking lion <laughs> what, what's white and black and red all over a panda who messes with a fucking lion right the answer is lion <laughs> right uh yeah so a lot of more seeds getting planted uh, any thoughts in particular or any scenes that stand out for you in Biscuits? Um, I'm trying to think of specific scenes, I, but if my memory serves me right, this episode gets a little, we see a little bit more of Roy Kent's anger and establishing him as a, as sort of uh, curmudgeon I don't know what you would call him. He's certainly angry. Very um, angry. Kind of unbridled. And we learn a little bit that he was at one point a star football player. Yep. And, and is now aging and is, presumably upset about his uh, deteriorating abilities on the on the pitch. Yeah, well past his prime, captaining a lower-level team when he once came from a champion-caliber team. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a couple titles they allude to in his glory days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's about it for me on the second episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more. Yep, you're absolutely right. More foundational stuff, and we get the photographer set up, which comes into play for the third episode. Um, Trent Crim. Trent Crim, the Independent. <laughs> um, I love this episode. I do too. The, the, this episode is where things really get cooking for this show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, on in terms of the emotional stakes, the side of this that we were talking about at the beginning, where this is more than your average sitcom because of the amount of heart. It experiences. You get the first real glimpses of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. In this episode, K- 
Keely and Tad have a pro- or Keely has went to Rebecca with a problem that she found out about this. Uh, Dave and they basically got to postpone it for one day. First she goes to Tad. They panic about what to do. He says, "Go to the boss. She can solve everything." Because Ted thinks Rebecca is the greatest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, she's like, "I talked to the." editor and i can just get it pulled because her plan gets busted Mm -hmm. she makes the chess move of just like all right scrap this one right but you have to do a character profile by trent crim of the independent Mm -hmm. and that sets up the main stretch of the episode which trent shadows tad for an entire day Mm -hmm. they get some great stuff in practice they uh go to an elementary school (laughs) tell me more about the elementary school scene the elementary school scene is is fantastic and involves roy kent as well so he he uh, Ted Lasso brings Roy Kent with him, and they end up they they're like kicking soccer balls around after this sort of uh, assembly, I suppose. <laughs> the Roy Kent speech at the assembly is so funny. Yeah, yeah, it is really funny. Just like swear, just drops an f bomb on a bunch of like fucking <laughs> middle school kids. Right. Yeah. He's like, who wants to go have a kick or whatever? Like, fuck, fuck it. Who wants to go? Let's have a proper fuck around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fuck right. around That's... on the pitch or something yeah. like that. And everyone's right. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Roy Kent's like I think he he I don't know he's, he's enticing his niece to uh, to kick it at, his, at Ted Lasso's face. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> she boots it right into his nose. And I think early that's something that's also that re, that re, I remember from this episode is before they go to the elementary school when Trent Grimm is like observing the practice and Ted Lasso very nonchalantly. Uh, tells him how Nate has they're running plays that Nate has developed, and um, this is I mean pretty like jarring news to hear from the head coach of a of a football team. You know, Premier you're League trusting or... your kit man with the offense of a Premier League team, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's and like I think that's like a, a one of the first moments of like seeing Ted like yep, mm-hmm. yep, Nate yeah. the Great, yep. He knows more about this sport than I'll ever learn. Or something like something <laughs> yeah, to that right. effect. It's like, yeah, right. absolutely. That's right. So, I, I mean, I think that's one of the first sort of like, and if you can just oh. see like Trent Cram's eye. like just yeah. That's paired with, at that practice, an important quote for later in the episode when he says, this isn't about wins and losses to me. And Trent mm-hmm. replies, oh, that's definitely going in the article. And then Ted just moves on pretty quick. Like, he right. says that and then just keeps moving on with whatever subtle point he was making at that moment. But mm-hmm. that quote comes back hard at the back end of the episode. Right. And you can just see throughout the episode, you know, the way that it's really looking for the majority of it is that Ted is just digging himself a hole with this reporter, you know, who's sort of like a vicious reporter um, with all, the, all those things we talked about and then the questions about the fact that they were having a birthday party for Sam after the loss, you know, it just looks like, oh man, this is going to be a terrible yeah. scathing article about... They were having cake in the locker room? Yeah, right? Um, you know, but then we eventually wind up at the dinner scene between Trent Krim and Ted Lasso, which is... They go to the Indian restaurant that was recommended by the driver from the first episode who took them to the bridge upon their request, mm-hmm. who had picked them up when they first flew into London. And uh, he had recommended his family's Indian restaurant. So Ted, being the type of person Ted is, was like, yeah, I told you I was going to come visit your restaurant. I came. And uh, having never ordered Indian food, orders it the way his that man's family would eat it, mm-hmm. which if... 
anyone knows Indian food is presumably going to be very hot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And Trent, Trent, Trent Krim cannot stomach can't the, handle the it. heat. Yeah. Takes a couple bites, says, oh, I can't do this. Right. And so after this day of providing him with just sort of endless fodder to write a hit piece, he's in this position where Ted Lasso is now kind of saving his ass. You know, like, it's like, well, let's put it on my plate when he's not looking, you know? Yep. And Ted Lasso can't, he's like, this is really freaking hot too. But being that kind of guy continues. Like, I'm going to finish it so it looks like I loved it. Right. Yep. And then the, he, then the guy brings more food and he's like, thumbs up, you know? <laughs> what do you think of that? Take a bite of that one. What do you think of that? <laughs> oh, it's, it's beyond good. Right. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, uh, and as we mentioned, that line resonates back when Ted says, and I'm going to say it again so you don't think it was a mistake, this isn't about wins and losses mm-hmm. to me, and explains in more detail his true coaching philosophy, and more importantly, his true life philosophy when it really boils down, which is we are on this earth and he is on this earth to help elevate people into being better versions of themselves, mm-hmm. and that is his credo. His coaching philosophy, his belief is be- it's about making people better, mm-hmm. making them accountable, making them grow and make mature and healthy decisions for themselves and for others. Right. And, I, and at the end of the day, and at the piece that Trent Krim ends up writing is not a hit piece at all. It's fairly honest, you know, about sure. it includes some of the quotes that Ted Lasso said, but also paints them in a in a light that says something along the lines of he'll probably lose this. But I hope he and, doesn't. Yeah. In the end, I can't help but cheer for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, he writes, it is. It's a very honest assessment of, yes, do I think this will go poorly on the pitch? Sure. But do I believe in what he's espousing and what he is? Hell yeah, I do. Yep. And uh, we see Rebecca getting that article read to her by Higgins. And the episode ends with her saying, fuck. <laughs> about that moment as she's disappointed in the way the article turns out mm-hmm. foiled yet again foiled again Rebecca. two episodes two plots foiled um <laughs> uh, we get the, i do like that we get the first introduction of phoebe because she's one of my favorite child actors in a long time i just mm-hmm. think she's an adorable mm-hmm. kid and her stuff in this series is really funny yep i agree she's nice she's just so funny cute and funny mm-hmm. uh any other thoughts on episode three i think i'm good there Trent Krim, The Independent. Uh, We move next to For the Children, which is one of my favorite episodes. This is uh, probably a top five episode for me of this show. Um, We get to see the games that billionaires play with each other. Like Mm -hmm. it's It's all centered around this charity event for the children of course and they can always reiterate yeah it's all for the children mm-hmm. but there's all this pettiness happening mm-hmm. behind it all mm-hmm. uh we meet rupert we get our first glimpse of rupert who's a diabolical a, piece of shit yeah royal asshole just royal asshole uh coach beer bringing a date mm-hmm. uh we get to we meet jane for the first time mm-hmm. who will become more relevant in season two than she really is in this season uh yeah, more foundational stuff. More of the Roy and Jamie beef mm-hmm. plays out in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the Keeley and Jamie relationship gets a nice cha- uh, gets an interesting chapter in this episode. Don't they? Do they? They split up at the, in they this episode. They do split yeah. up in this episode. An in- interesting chapter indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and 
my favorite part of the episode. Uh, Rebecca and Keely friendship really begins here. Mm-hmm. Like really takes off in this episode. Is takes off in a like a carriage ride or a horse-drawn yeah, carriage. They go off in that like uh, that like bike ride as like the bike cart thing. Right. Yeah. They like take some wine from yeah. the from the charity event and go get drunk in the. Carriage. Keely dumps Jamie, grabs some bottles of wine, runs outside to Rebecca, asks if she wants to get really drunk, and they take off in the carriage. Yep. Adorable that's, friendship. Yeah. Yep. That's great. My favorite part of this episode is um, when Ted brings in the street performer um, because they they're lacking entertainment at the last. Is it because Rupert pulled some crap? Rupert pulled some shit. He basically, uh, as Ted figures out eventually, if you could get Robbie Williams to come here on the fly last minute with a phone call, you probably could have just got him to not come. Right. And Rupert, with a shit eating fucking jerk off smile. Says, yeah, that would make me a real dick, wouldn't it? <laughs> and Ted just kind of nods slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it would, sir. Yes, it would. Uh, we also get a really honest moment between Ted and Rebecca. As Ted says to Rebecca outside, you're not the only person who sees him for what he really is. Mm-hmm. And that really resonates for a moment with Rebecca. Like, it's the first moment where we see her kind of take off the disdain glasses she's been wearing towards Ted up to this point because he's so profoundly right in his assessment. Right. Right. Yeah. It's fantastic. I think they actually, I think with that street performer guy, they also found him on the streets in of London. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure that's true. That sounds like some Bill Lawrence shit for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, that, that tracks big time. I like that. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. He rocks. He does. Hard. Dude, that guy was sweet. One man band. Yeah, sweet one man band. That mm-hmm. guy was cool. His voice is awesome. Mm-hmm. His rig is sweet. Yeah. Uh, they use street performers in a couple episodes of this show extremely effectively. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot because uh, I, I love the culture of people just popping up and playing music out on the streets. It's and I think it also, it also resonates in this episode a lot because it's like a, such a stark contrast to the charity event, you know, this billionaire event. Um for the children. For the children. And then, you know, when you see him enter, the street performer enter onto the stage, and, you know, he's looking pretty haggard. Um, yeah, a bunch of people laugh at him. A bunch of people laugh at him, and from the audience, it's, you know, you're kind of like, how is this going to go? And he just goes on to kill it. Just just have a great performance, and everyone loves it. And I think, you know, it just sort of further cements, because it was Ted that went out and found him and brought yeah. him there, that Ted doesn't see this person the same way that a lot of these people do. Yeah. Yeah. The upper crust, uh, your wealthy people of the world are looking down on a person that presents themselves that way physically, where Ted looks past that and just sees a talented musician with a gift. Mm hmm. Yep. That's great. Uh, the auction scene, the auction stuff is very funny in this. Mm -hmm. Um, watching Jamie, uh, or Keeley outbid Jamie's other date essentially back and forth. Um, the line about accountability in this episode is phenomenal because you get Rebecca telling Keeley about how accountability matters, and Rebecca tells him about or tells her about the other date being there and all that. And then Keeley bids on Roy a bunch of times while just staring daggers at Jamie. Mm-hmm. And Roy confronts her towards the end of the episode, right before the breakup between Keely and Jamie, and goes, don't involve me in your little bullshit again. 
mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And she instantly takes accountability, apologizes, says why she was wrong, and then turns to Jamie after he's like, you're apologizing to that twat? Like, mm-hmm. And dumps Jamie after right. a moment where he clearly wouldn't take accountability when when confronted. Right. He, instead of even apologizing, goes, it's better for my brand. Two right. women competing over me. Right. And she's ripcords. I'm out of right. here. Right, yeah. You have one woman now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just great stuff. This, mm-hmm. this show is so much about healing and forgiveness and just so many positive psychological things like that. that this growth. is another one of the yeah. growth. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like this is one of those big scenes of that where they don't... They tell you why accountability matters in one moment, and they show it to you minutes later. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's so good. Any other episode four for the children thoughts? Rupert's an asshole. Rupert's an asshole. Um, oh, the, are you the type of friend that likes when someone tells you when you got food in your teeth, Nathan? Yeah, of course. Good, because that suit does not fit at all. It's <laughs> a funny line. Yeah, right. That is a good one. On to episode five, tan lines. So this episode, I'm trying to place more. I can't really place that much about this episode in my head. I think this is the episode where they, where Ted and his wife decide to get divorced. Is that correct? Where they, they're like, they're the, Ted's son. Yep. And yeah, the the wife and son come to visit. Yeah, you're right. right. There we go. I, I thank mm-hmm. you. I, I couldn't place which episode this was in my head mentally. Yeah, um, this is a great fucking episode. The family comes to visit. Jamie scores two goals in the game. The only two goals they've scored mm-hmm. to get them tied up two two at halftime. But right before halftime, because he's out there saying me me right. Ted runs up to the stands, asks Rebecca's permission to bench him, and benches his ass. Right, and this is partly coming from Rebecca's. I feel like this is part of her plot, kind of. It's not. This is maybe taking advantage. Of, yeah, she's just taking advantage of easy opportunities. So like, hell yeah, I, right. I fully support you. You're the coach of the team. Right, right. When in her head, she's like, yeah, take off your best player. That's awesome. Right. Yep. Um, I think that the whole you know the. Ted's wife visiting. There, there have been sort of like minor allusions to some turbulence in their relationship in prior episodes, like when Ted's on the phone, scenes where you see him on the phone, um, and he's like, "No, I love you. No, you don't have to say it. You know, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. You know." Yeah, they, they've subtly painted the picture that part of the reason Ted's over all the way in London is to create space in his marriage. Mm-hmm. That there's some type of problem or rift there. Right. Which is the first sort of inkling of some of getting this seeing like i think up until now most of ted's uh scenes have been fairly happy-go-lucky um you know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of emotional distress in his life so now you're starting to get your protagonist who's this hokey guy becoming more of a human yes you know even though he's very human throughout you know not not pretentious at all yeah, but this is a different. This is an emotional, emotionally human side. Yeah, exactly. It's a, he's he is human, but he's also not common human because we only really see him happy up to this point. He right. even if it's a somewhat of a facade, which we kind of figure out in this episode, there's definitely some of that, and it's a little bit performative, which we learn about him and is interesting. 
but yeah, the barrier comes down a bit, and we definitely we see him distraught. We see him experience honest vulnerability. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. Jamie scoring the goals. This. Oh, uh, his confrontation with Jamie in the locker room before the game. When he's confronting Jamie about his bullshit, and he's like, we actually see him at about his most angry for a quick moment. Like mm-hmm. he's about, he kind of snaps on Jamie, and it only lasts for a few seconds because then his son comes in the locker room and he's like, "Oh hey, kiddo!" Right. And he's and the kid comes up, Jamie Tart. Right. Will you sign my jersey? Right. And uh, I, I say the word lad a lot now, thanks to this show. It's <laughs> like a thing that's just become part of my vernacular in my life. Is is a good lad? Mm-hmm. I just say things. Good people lad. are a good lad now, good thanks lad. to this show. Um. And we get Jamie Tart do 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 do. And this is that's when is that the the scene where, or no no I think it's later when he's telling like this is practice you know you come that's that's the next episode that's the next episode. That's a, okay. uh, that'll be after this episode yeah okay cool um yeah the family visit um this is actually the this was the first time that the show made me cry the with, I I I don't have a t- full tally on how many times this show has gotten me but this episode's the first one that Mm. gets me and it's them standing the umbrella under the umbrellas as he's like you don't have to try anymore like she's Mm -hmm. saying if i if there's anything i could do to feel the way i used to i would do it in a heartbeat and he finally oh through the halftime it start he realizes what he has to do during this halftime speech Mm. Mm. and uh then finally says it to her that she doesn't have to try anymore. It's okay. She can let go. He'll be okay. Right. And like the the music swelling in the background and both of the actors in that scene having such a great performance with each other. Mm-hmm. First time the show made me cry. That yeah. was a really powerful scene. Mm-hmm. And the way it ends in him sitting down on the bench with Coach Beard sort of quietly with yeah. a pint of beer. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like that's also powerful. It's also like, powerful. You know, you, you have this huge rift going on in your personal life and you fall onto your homies, your, your friends, you know? That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's the beauty of friendship in this world are the moments like that where you need someone to just kind of sit by it. Does it like notice it's not even about a disc. They don't jump into a discussion about what just happened. It's not about talking about it even in that moment. It's just mm-hmm. about being present. It's just right. being there for your friend in that time. Mm-hmm. And having yeah. a beer and having a beer. Yeah, beautiful ending scene, beautiful episode. Tamlines, any other uh, thoughts or impressions from that one? Um, Not particularly, but just what we were just talking about. I was just kind of thinking to myself that I I like the level of drinking in this show. And I like how everyone's got their shit mostly under control. You see characters like getting drunk. Yeah. But it's it's just nice to see. um, It's very real. You know, yes. it's like sometimes you need to go out and steal sometimes some wine to, yeah. and get drunk with Rebecca, you know? That's sometimes right. a pint of cold beer is really good when you're sitting there after your, your wife and you <laughs> divorce. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. a, it's a pro booze show and I'm a... <laughs> Yeah, I it's as pro booze at the at the like at the honest level what you're what you're talking yes. about here. Right. So there's some shows that have a tendency to either just like completely ignore the booze of it or paint a picture that anyone who gets hammered drunk at any point is a raging alcoholic. And it's like, no, sometimes people just get hammered. Right. It's a thing that happens. It's real. It's real. Uh, Do me a quick favor and just pull your mic a little closer to the edge of the table. Where you're sitting is fine. Just a little closer to you. Perfect. That'll be be cash money. Good. Um, 
into the next episode. Two aces. Uh, this is the stretch of the show that's just like, from here on, it's just mm-hmm. phenomenal television. Two aces. We meet Danny Rojas, the proverbial second ace. Mm-hmm. We have the whole funny scene about him saying aces so many times, the words lost all meaning. Aces. 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 Aces? aces? <laughs> <laughs> that's ISIS. Right. <laughs> aces. 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 <laughs> um... Jamie claims to be, quote, injured after having bench being benched in that previous game in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. That's when we get Ryan. Go ahead and t- right. talk more about the speech here. Right. Well, this is probably the most, like, fired up that you see, Ted, and, and, yes. and taking a, a, a tough love approach or um, a little bit more of a hard-ass approach in the locker room as opposed to this, like, kind of jubilant, warm persona. Getting a little real with Jamie. And because and, he knows he's not injured and he's sitting there, he knows he's faking this and he's faking it with through a very thin veil, too. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm hurt. Can't practice. And then Ted goes off and starts. And was like, well, this isn't the game. This is practice. This is practice. You're telling me that you can't practice, you know. Um, it, I mean, it's a pretty powerful scene yeah and it starts well because it starts as satire the practice we're talking about practice as that satire of the alan iverson thing mm-hmm. and so like for a moment you think it's going to be a comedic bit to the where he's like making fun of the ai press conference thing about practice i'm unfamiliar the, with that I, I'll, I'll play the clip for you after okay. this because it's uh it's funny it's like one of the more famous alan iverson moments he got asked about his participation in practice during a press conference one time and he's like practice we're not talking about the game we're talking about practice and this is like a funny mm-hmm. little rant mm-hmm. and so for a second it sounds like ted's like quoting that and about to just like do right. that mm-hmm. and he because he uses like four sentences from that in a row okay so it's like a direct one for one at first and then it becomes oh shit no ted's fired up right now mm-hmm. wow yeah very different side mm-hmm. of the ted lasso character for sure and one that we see a very limited amount of total mm-hmm. yeah great speech that's great great moment and then uh, go put the cones out for the starters since you're a reserve today. Mm-hmm. And Jamie tries to use the power he's held up to this point in the show over the locker room. Like so many of the young guys, as we've seen through uh, oh, a storyline we didn't even talk about in any of the other episodes that kind of came and went by this point. Um, the other guys bullying Nathan, mm-hmm. the kit man. And Roy first going to Ted and being like, are you going to do anything about this? They're bullying. And Ted's just like, no. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean no? He's like, well, if I learned anything about uh, bullying, it's that you can't go to the teacher, the principal, the coach, etc. can't be the one to solve it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be one of you. Mm-hmm. And Ted, give, uh, Ted also gives everyone the books. Roy's like, what's the meaning behind this book? Do you want me to be the leader in this story? And he's like, yes, mm-hmm. I do. Madeline Langle, right, yeah. A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. And then we there's the moment of him reading the story to Phoebe, his niece, in bed. And he goes, fuck! Right. <laughs> and has the epiphany moment reading. And goes to the club and headbutts the one dude and threatens all of them. It's like, none of you are fucking with Nate anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we kind of mm-hmm. skipped over that whole storyline right. that's come and gone by this point. Because by this point, everyone's afraid to fuck with Nate anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamie's power status in the locker room has kind of shifted away from him because mm-hmm. he goes to tell he's like colin do you set up the cones he's like you heard him mm-hmm. and like the other guys all turn down jamie as well as he tries to like tell other guys to do his job for him right. he's like 
uh, well, you know, you're a reserve now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone leaves and Jamie's dumbfounded. Like, oh shit, this didn't go the way I hoped right. it would at all. Does Jamie go out and set up the cones? He does. He does. Because mm-hmm. um, he goes out and sets up the cones and at the back end of after practice, he's like collecting the cones and Danny and like kicks a ball and hits the crossbar mm-hmm. and Danny Rojas goes, great shot, amigo. And then they come out and do that little shoot off scene. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is the first practice with Danny too. Yeah. yeah. And after he comes he's out, come out and... just so jubilant. Right. And so he, yeah, they brought him up from like the, the farm team or whatever. Yeah. And just kind of, that, that's the ace, right? Yeah. He just happens to be amazing. Yeah. And then Jamie's watching him from the sidelines yeah. with his reserve. He'd been recovering from an injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like, this was the first time he was going to be available to them. Right. And Danny he, Rojas. Right. And that's a big moment for Jamie because it's like, well, it's like, well, he's, he's utilizing his power to be like, well, without me, there is no team. And then to watch this kid yeah. come out and just be yeah. really, really good. And Roy comes up to him during the practice and goes, wow, I don't know. It, it looks like he's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. And he's just so happy, too. Just Danny Rojas, Rojas, mm-hmm. Danny Rojas. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. <laughs> so funny. Mm-hmm. But when they go out and do the third, they're both trying to hit various points on the crossbar or the, or, the, yep. or the posts. And they go back and forth, both of them hitting. And then Jamie's the first one to miss, you know, which I think is significant. It's like, it oh, is. this, you know, in this matchup, you beat me. Yep. You know, this your and he goes same time tomorrow, amigo. Mm-hmm. And he's so happy about it. It's not. Oh, like... he's thrilled. He's like, yeah, I just had a fun game with my new buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Danny Rojas. I do too, man. I fucking right. do too. Danny Rojas is awesome. Right. But then, after not knowing about the cursed equipment room, Danny Rojas goes into the cursed equipment room and messes up his knee, seemingly. Mm-hmm. And everyone freaks out because of the curse. And uh, so the. They got Ted has the team all go to the bar, May's bar. I, I, mm-hmm. What is that bar called? Do we ever get a name for that pub? I don't no. know. Unimportant detail, I suppose. But they all go to the pub, and May's like, "You guys better hurry up because this place is about to get flooded with people. That the like Twitter is going to go nuts. Basically, people are going to be here quick." Mm-hmm. And they explain the history of the curse, essentially, which is back in World War One, a bunch of posters went up around town calling for young men to try out for the foot for the Richmond football team but there was no tryout it was a military recruitment to get mm-hmm. kids to sign up for the war mm-hmm. and of the 400 who came and signed up that day most of them died mm-hmm. and uh, so they explain the foundation of the curse and Ted explains that that night they're all going to gather in that room and sacrifice something important to them. To honor the sacrifice of those men. Mm-hmm. That's when they burn it all in a trash can. That's when they set up the burn. And everyone, was, everyone shows up but Jamie to that, right? At first. At first, right. So mm-hmm. before all the before the burning, there's the the three fanboys that we love from the bar are standing there like, holy shit, the whole Richmond team's here, and they're just like staring at it. Mm-hmm. It was a funny bit. Um, Jamie. And Keely have an interaction because they're still working together because of all the different gigs he, she has set up for him uh, in terms of like advertising gigs because she was like booking basically his booking manager more or less aside mm-hmm. from being his girlfriend. And um, he mentions this dumb thing that the team is doing and she basically persuades him on the mentality of like it doesn't have to be you versus the world anymore. Like mm-hmm. you, you can let people help you. It's okay. 
mm-hmm. and she again ha- helps him achieve a little growth in this moment, and he decides to go and be part of the team. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm trying to think of what what they all burn. Like there's a, I think the the fuck. It remember starts the... with Roy Kent and mm-hmm. his blankie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you say blankie? No, I said blanket. Right. <laughs> it starts there. The one character I got, I can't remember what his name is. The shorter football player and he he burns the keys to his Lamborghini right I think it's Colin Colin I think Colin's the one who mm-hmm. tosses the keys to his Lambo in there he's like, it's too and much I... car for me anyways <laughs> it's too much car for me anyways. yeah yeah that's good um there's like a bra or panties that one guy like well, one guy burns a pair of panties that are like presumably from the woman that took his virginity mm-hmm. I would guess but he says <laughs> something in French about them so we don't really know right um <laughs> And, and Rebecca, and Rebecca shows things. up too. Right? Rebecca shows up too by Sam Obasanya's request. Mm-hmm. Sam had went to her before that and was like, uh, "Coach Lasso believes for this to work, the whole team has to come." And well, this is your team, so you, that includes you. Mm-hmm. And she's turning him down, and he's like, "I must insist." Oh, there's also the funny line about uh, everyone assumes because I'm African that I'm really into these curses. And she's like, you're not? He's like, no, I am. But it's really much more because of my Harry Potter fandom. <laughs> right. That's yeah. a fun, like, and that's their first scene together, mm-hmm. which will be interesting later down the road. Right. And it's also, I mean, the fact that Rebecca does come, it's we're gradually seeing her kind of be won over by Slowly. Ted. You know, it's slow, but she's getting there, you know, yeah, buying in a little bit. Yeah, it's, I love the way they portray Rebecca through the early episodes while, because she is an antagonist to our main character, Ted, and to the team. Mm-hmm. But they do a great job of portraying that she, too, is going through pain, and this is her lashing out. And it's not necessarily like she's not the the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. She's a person in pain who's lashing out and who is slowly doing some nice things here and there along the way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she comes, uh, she tosses in a, uh, like a shitty magazine that's got a article about her because she's trying to she's say, the old back old, yeah. at this point. She's old Rebecca by this right. point and mm-hmm. she's trying to say, fuck the haters. Right. And this is, this is the episode I think with Keely and her, Keely taking off her shoes and yeah. then looking at the topless photo. I believe you're exactly correct mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Because well, then Keely's got the line of like, fuck, I want to be the one to comfort you, not to be the one to tell you about the old Rebecca thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a line in this from that scene that was something we have not talked about, which is Ted's hatred of tea, which I think is a good recurring joke. <laughs> just like this, like the little quips he has about like, no, I'm not not doing that again. No, no. <laughs> hates tea and hates carbonated water. Mm. <laughs> like, like that was like I used to think flat water was just like the way water was normally served. That was the one way. But right now, now I'm over here. I got to specify or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so they all make their sacrifices. Some of them are sweet and emotional type things. Some of them are comedic, like the panties and other items and the Lambo keys and things like that. And right before setting the bucket on fire in the building, someone says, we should do this part outside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> so they got to the center of the pitch. They light the bucket on fire and, uh, Ted... <laughs> Ted makes this sweeping, oh, spirits, if, if we've appeased you, show us a sign or whatever the hell he says. And then mm-hmm. Danny Rojas comes running out. Danny Rojas, right. yep. Danny Rojas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamie shows up, too. Ja- oh, yeah, around. Jamie shows yeah. up and uh, burn, 
has a very sweet moment. Like this, this is the t- beginning of the turning of Jamie. Mm-hmm. Is this episode here? So he comes to the burning and tosses a pair of shoes in that his mom gave him and explains that like once upon a time he loved the game and she always loved that he loved it. And somewhere along the way, his piece of shit dad warped it for him and basically like made him a uh, me first guy mm-hmm. by yelling at him every time he passed instead of scoring and like, right. all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we don't meet for another while, but what another instant piece of shit. Yep. Yep. Another character that you meet and you're instantly just like, oh man, that guy, that guy sucks bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, beautiful stuff from Jamie. His speech there is really tender and really nice and vulnerable and honest. And really gives you a good insight into how a person can become like Jamie Tart does. Right. Yep, through poor parenting and yeah, talent. Com- yeah. Combo. Yeah, it's an interesting combo for sure. When uh, when you've been insanely talented at something your whole life, but not well emotionally nurtured, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, things can be interesting. So the burn happens. Danny Rojas comes out. He brings a bottle of tequila or mascal. Uh, they all chug it as a team, and uh, Rebecca finds out that Higgins, it was Higgins' idea to hold off on telling the team about Danny until after the burn. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, so you're putting the team first, Leslie. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I suppose I am. And you see a little rift between them. Because mm-hmm. she's still trying to... She's still trying to sabotage while he's clearly been won over by Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also when I think they realize that Jamie's going... He had been on loan from a different team. She so Rebecca alludes to it early in the episode that yeah, Man City had put him on loan to them and asked if he wasn't going to be starting going forward to pull the contract back. And then at the end of the episode, after that's all called, we get the whole montage of Ted walking the locker room, and it's the locker room united for the first time. We see all the guys having fun with each other, mm-hmm. and even the kit man's in the fun, and like everything seems so jovial and happy, and it's the, you can tell it's the exact vibe Ted's been trying to achieve all season in the locker room. And he walks in and finds out that Rebecca did it. She sent him back. Mm-hmm. She, and she goes, oh, I thought that's what you wanted. But mm-hmm. deep down, she's like, aha, got rid of your best right. player. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a, her next devious move after seeing it's a team united, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love them standing around the bucket singing the Richmond Till We Die the fight song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That song's so catchy. Yeah. I'll be walking around at work day to day, just like, we're Richmond till we die, we're Richmond till we die, you know, we are, we sure we are, we're Richmond till we die. And I just like walk around and get to myself, it's so fun. I would love to see that. We can just do it, Ryan. Let's just walk around the public and just like yell the Richmond fight song repeatedly. Uh, Any closing thoughts on Two Aces? I think we covered everything for me. Anything for you? Sick. Um, No, that covers Two Aces pretty nicely for me. Make Rebecca great again. This is the road game. They go on the, bu- the they go on the road, and we meet Sassy, and we get more Rebecca and Keeley stuff. Uh, this is also the the next instance of angry Ted we get briefly because Ted's like the whole episode. Ted's divorce papers are looming over him, mm-hmm. and he's drunk alone in his hotel room late on the night before their game, and Nate keeps like sliding and unsliding his thoughts on the team under the door. Right. And then eventually um, 
Ted opens the door and, like, yells at Nate, like, what are you doing? It's past curfew. Mm-hmm. And grabs the team and, like, snaps on Nate right. really rudely and then just passes out immediately afterwards because he, he looks disheveled and drunk. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, as he's this whole divorce thing is weighing heavy on him. This is also when Rebecca and Sassy... Is that right? And sassy. Or stinky and sassy. Stinky and sassy. Yeah, what a duo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We get her introduction. It's it's fun to see the team in a different, you know, on the road. It is. It's a it's a good episode center. Yeah. Um. This this episode's got a lot of great stuff in it. Uh. All all the sassy and stinky stuff. Um. When Rebecca excused herself from the table for a minute, and Keely talks about how she loves Rebecca. And Sassy's response is, oh, that, well, that's not Rebecca. Mm-hmm. It's like, Rebecca is powerful, yes, but she's not cold. Mm-hmm. She's goofy. She's blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and she, it's also would be Re- she, uh, Rebecca and Rupert's anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's part of the plot line here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode is a tremendous example of the healing that I've mentioned about this show time and time again like this shit this episode is heavy therapy shit mm-hmm. like it's rebecca be getting most vulnerable it's the frozen men uh tell me about the frozen song well it's the song let it go and they're singing it at karaoke at this after the dinner we were just talking about and at that dinner too i think um akili and sassy slip uh or let like the cute waiter know that rebecca's interested so they're basically trying to yeah. You know, get her feeling good again. And then they sign her up to sing at karaoke after the team wins the match. They're all out on the town yeah. having a good time. Taking part in the great Asian pastime of karaoke. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Keely. <laughs> the the, the Keely, um, like, filming hotel information videos mm-hmm. and not even remembering doing it is a funny little bit and paints a little bit more of her background for you. Right. That's like it's part of her past that she's like not proud of and she's kind of hiding from now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but she goes up, so they they send her on, on stage. Not she didn't sign up for karaoke, and proceeds to just absolutely murder a rendition of "Let It Go." It's oh, like crush these, out. The pipes on this girl are just insane. Insane, folks. Big facts. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that I mean, it's you really see her like. I don't know. I don't know what what it is about about that scene. She's incredibly powerful, but also singing this kid song mm-hmm. and just having a good time out in a really like jovial and kind of yeah. carefree environment. They just won the match. You're seeing her be tender. You're seeing her around someone that she's loved most of her life and mm-hmm. one of her dearest and most important friends. You're seeing most of the real Rebecca for the first time, as right. we're told by Sassy. Like th- this is no longer like she's. For this episode, she's not in vindictive mode. She's not in make Rupert unhappy by making this team suffer mode. She's in living and enjoying life mode. Mm -hmm. Doing karaoke. Doing karaoke. And then during the song, Ted Lasso has his first panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I have only had one panic attack in my life. I don't know if that's something you've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. I thought this did a phenomenal job of displaying what a panic attack felt like. Mm-hmm. Like, I really felt it through the screen. It was very visceral. The way, like, his fingers... He does this weird, like, clenching thing with his fingers, then just has to excuse himself. And it's a lot of flashing and cutting mm-hmm. away. And then suddenly Rebecca's comforting him. Mm-hmm. Right. He's having a 
made pretty yeah, yeah. She's having a panic attack yeah yeah she's she throws all of her nefarious activities aside and just comforts him because she recognizes the symptoms presumably after having experienced them herself they don't ever say that it's just kind of implied the mm-hmm. way that she portrays this and the way that she instantly recognizes it and relates to it you get the feeling she's been through it before Mm-hmm. And she comforts him as he excuses himself back to the hotel. Where Sassy meets up with him. Yeah. So that <laughs> that's a really great montage and I love that song. That whole like four minute that whole like three minute scene where you've got Roy and Keeley have their first kiss mm-hmm. and then Roy bolts on her. Mm-hmm. You've got Rebecca waiting in the lobby bar, waiting for that server from earlier to finish up his side work for them to go bow chicka bow wow. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Ted signs the divorce papers and takes the picture and sends them over. All during this montage, we clip back and forth between mm-hmm. these three separate things going on. Then we go back to Ted's room again, and Sassy Smurf comes in seductively. Nice. Just what he needs. More bow chicka bow wow. <laughs> Just what the doctor ordered for Ted Lasso we also, and Rebecca. Yeah, we get Nate sleeping in the bus, like in the baggage part of the oh, bus yeah, twice. Right. <laughs> or getting trapped down there once and then sleeping down there that night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roy decimating the guest locker room they're in mm-hmm. after Nate's speech. Yep. Tell me more about Nate's speech. Because uh, we, we mentioned briefly that Nate had slid the thoughts, to, to his thoughts on the team to Ted. Ted and after Ted snaps on Nate that night, the next day apologizes to Nate for snapping on him, mm-hmm. and goes, "Yeah, you're right. The team needs to hear these, but not right. from me. It's coming from you." This and, is and this, so we start to see Nate be becoming the more authoritative character that he develops into. First glimpse of it, right here, and he's very, very honest and kind of uh, insulting or rude. Yeah, has like funny quips lined up. That are like insulting quips about each of the players he calls out. Right, and he gets to Roy Kent and says, basically says like, you know, it's your anger that fuels you to become a great player, but it doesn't seem like you care anymore or that you don't have it. You used to run like you were angry at the grass. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you can see, and you can still know how that's gonna go, <laughs> when because yeah. you can see, you know, he's, you know, they're doing, he's going. Well, I told him, don't read it. Tell it to my face. Right. Yep. And then, um, so you're kind of, I mean, me watching it, I was a little concerned for Nate's safety. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh shit, man. <laughs> um, but Ted, or not Ted, um, Roy, he doesn't he, like break one of the benches. Yeah, That's, he literally yeah. like rips a bench out of the ground that seems mm-hmm. like it's like bolted down. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes, says, let's fucking like, kill yeah. him. Right, yep. And takes him out, and then you, I don't think you really see the game. No, you, you just... see none of the game. They just come right back in the locker room, and you hear the announcer saying, in the shocking one nothing victory with the lone victory by Roy Kent. Right. Or with the lone Goal. point by right. Roy Kent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So it worked. So, I mean, you know, and Nate's been positioning. Um, not, he's been being positioned, to, you know, as his, this kind of whiz kid, you know, when it comes because they're using a lot of his plays and um to see him put into a minor coaching role essentially yeah and have it work like that it's great for his story arc you know taking him from the guy who's getting sweaty jerseys thrown at him and made fun of to a position of earned i think you know right rightfully earned uh power 
Uh, for the fact that his story arc is like the sixth biggest story happening on the on the show, mm-hmm. it's really well done. Like right. the, the growth we send Nathan through on this two seasons, going from kit boy that's bullied to kit boy that's respected and gets to make a play or two, to gets to make the big speech that rallies the guys up, mm-hmm. to getting the promotion that we'll talk about in a little while, and then all of the season two stuff that we'll get to. But right. like it's. It's, there's not a ton of time devoted to it. It's just kind of present and slowly happening through the series, but it's it's such a well-done, like, G story. Mm-hmm. It's right. such yeah. a backburner, like, side story all the way through. Right. I would say that... shocking ending yeah. in season two. In this, I would say in season two it becomes more like an F story. I agree. It, it moves up it in, moves. in importance a little bit. It's right. a little more screen time in season two, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this the speech that he gives in this episode is fantastic. And, um, you know, the, the rate that these characters are growing, I mean, this is episode eight, seven, episode seven, seven. I mean, we could, like probably talked for 40 minutes here about seven episodes, you know, and the yeah. amount that has changed pretty dramatic, you know, for every character. Quite indeed. But, uh. Any last thoughts on Make Rebecca Great Again? Because this, nope. this is another one of those that I consider on the elite tier of episodes of this show. Like, so far I've said that about For the Children, and I say that about this episode. Um, I mean, I love all the episodes, but this, mm-hmm. this is a, definitely one of those that I think back on as like a holy shit episode of this show. Yeah, I really love this episode. But uh, episode eight, The Diamond Dogs. The Diamond Dogs are formed. Um, Nathan comes up with the name. So Ted is seeking counsel from his team, being Coach Beard, Nathan, and Higgins, Mm -hmm. on the fact that he just had his first ever one-night stand with Sassy. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of freaking out, and they're just trying to calm him down, like, hey, did you have fun? And he's being all coy because he's not the type of guy to talk about bedroom behavior, essentially. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, no details. Did you have fun? Right. And he goes, yeah. Did she have fun? Oh, and again, yes. Eventually, right. he, gets, yeah. he gets the answer. Then was no big deal. It's okay. Right. And uh, he's asking for a name for his Ted's emotional support team, or so like they're trying <laughs> to come up with a better team. Mm-hmm. And Nate, between vomits, goes the Diamond Dogs. <laughs> and he goes, yep. And they name themselves the Diamond Dogs. Right. Do you know why they do that? Why? Why is it the Diamond Dogs? It's named after the song. The, oh, they play okay. the song at the back end of the episode. Oh, right. But, uh, they call me the Diamond Dogs. Right, right. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, we also get in this episode, so that's at the beginning of the episode, and we get a little bit, uh, we get the app, the fallout of Jamie being shipped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, more fallout of that, I suppose, because that... It really happened in the previous episode, but we get a bit more of the fallout. We see like a press conference with Jamie, to, or like Jamie asked by interviewers about it briefly. Um, that's this is right. when Keely, uh, Jamie and mm-hmm. Keely sleep together in this one. That's right, because Keely and Roy, Roy, Keely's becoming discouraged by Roy's. Yeah, she had tried. To, yeah, she had tried to ask him out to coffee after their kiss in the previous episode, and he was like, "I'm busy," but didn't say anything else about why. Mm-hmm. And then Jamie shows up and has seemingly matured a little bit in this brief little time where we don't see him for like the previous episode because mm-hmm. he's in town for a match mm-hmm. and he's asking Keeley's advice on something again. 
And so she's like, you want to stay for a drink? And he's like, no, wait, unless you mean... And she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's bow chicka bow wow right. time. <laughs> it's going to be my new official terminology for sex. Bow bow. Bow And then... Um, then Roy just... does ask Keely out. Right. She reveals that she slept with Jamie. He walks away pissed, eventually goes to the Diamond Dogs for a support and <laughs> advice about this. And they all tell him to man up and get over it, essentially. <laughs> like, you guys weren't together. Nothing had happened between you yet. She slept with someone. Right. You've also slept with people. Move it along. Right. Yep. And then they, they are able to talk about it, about why Roy was declining her. Yeah. Yeah, we, so we get first the, the cute... Uh, he goes to her to say that he... he doesn't care anymore. He's just going to let it go mm-hmm. about the Jamie thing. And she does the cute thing of like, um, she like jumps around the press box while he sits on the microphone to like answer questions. She's like, she's like, Keely Jones, independent. Keely mm-hmm. Jones of the independent woman, uh, blah, blah, blah edition. And uh, so he's just like, you with the eyes, you with right. the yeah. face. And right. just answers all of her questions like press conference style. Mm-hmm. Very cute little scene. That is cute. Them. That's a cute scene. Uh, yeah, they go on their first date. Um, She's asking him why, and he confesses about the yoga, his his yoga t- time. Mm-hmm. Or he confesses that he twice a week does yoga with a bunch of sixty year old women who don't know football mm-hmm. and don't know who he is, aside from just like being a friend of theirs that they do yoga mm-hmm. with. And they also they do more than yoga, right? They, yeah, like, they like hang drink out wine and... and watch reality shows. Together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only friendships we know of in Roy Kent's life are sixty so year old women that don't know him as a footballer. Right. Yeah. It reminds me just ever so slightly of Holt's walking group in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Great shout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they have a passionate kiss and a photographer catches it. And Roy goes and steals his memory card. And he's like, here, a little gift. Uh, some pictures from our first date. Mm-hmm. And they walk off. And you think that's just a little throwaway moment. Cute moment. Mm-hmm. But that it's same the same photog- photographer right. that caught Keely and Ted having their sandwich moment several episodes prior. Mm-hmm. But we don't figure that out until later in the episode. Um... What other moments of any other? What other big plots am I missing here towards the? I think it's the darts, isn't it? Oh yeah, you're totally right. It's the dart game. Dart game. Tell me about the dart game because that's just might maybe the best scene in the whole show. Yeah, it's. I I agree. This is an elite scene in the show. But tell me, tell me more about it. Um, so Rebecca and Ted are out to lunch. Is that right? They go out to lunch. There, mm-hmm. they think they're going to meet a duo called the Milk Sisters which Ted makes a few different dairy puns about before they get to the lunch scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who are minority share owners of the team. Rebecca's trying to buy their sta- their shares in the team, essentially. Right. And that's when it turns out it's a setup and Rupert... Rupert, Rupert has already up. purchased those shares right. of the team for mm-hmm. his now fiancé, young Rebecca, right. who he had met at the event for the children. Mm-hmm. So they're all at May's pub together, and Rupert's there being his asshole you know, billionaire self. Buys the pub around of beers, so like the three fanboys that we love are get all get big boots of beer. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, to the public eye, he's uh, yeah. he's a celebrity. Yeah, of course. Know? Well, especially to Richmond fans, mm-hmm. he's the former owner when times were better. And Rebecca's the woman who took it over and has been running it into the ground with that American Yankee twop. Right. Yep. And he continues to be a huge asshole by like essentially threatening Rebecca to that he'll like be there. 
at every game. At every game. Mm-hmm. And you know, like she's like so hurt personally, and then to have him just like continuously shoving this yeah. knife in. Ted asks her at one point if she wants to go, and she goes, "I don't want to give him the satisfaction." Mm-hmm. Um, he gets the whole bar to cheer for young Rebecca. He's like, if if this dart hits the board at all, I want you to cheer like we just won the whatever cup. Right. Yep. Uh, she hits the board and everyone goes nuts. Right. Because, you know, he just bought everyone booze. They're going right. to do what he says, basically. Right. And then that's when Ted decides to challenge him to a game of darts. And what are what are the wager? What's the wager here? So Ted sets him up a bit. So he steps up and he throws a few couple darts right-handed. And that goes like, okay. Like, they all hit the board, but none of them are like good marks or anything. Mm-hmm. They're just on the board. And uh, comes up with the wager that Ted says, if you win, I'll let you pick the lineup for the last two matches of the season. If I win, you can't go anywhere near the owner's box as long as Rebecca's in charge. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. And uh, Rupert then takes the wager and then goes, oh, I forgot I had these on me. And pulls out his like fancy case of darts that are like his personalized darts. Mm-hmm. And then Ted goes, oh, I forgot I was left-handed, and throws a dart lefty, and it's just a double bullseye. Just right. like perfect yep. right in the middle. And everyone's like, oh, shit, it's on. Mm-hmm. And so then it's there's this great monologue happening from Jason Sudeikis as, he, as they're throwing these darts um, that you can actually, I'm sure that you can recall this better than I, but it's about... It's about they hit Ted's growing up and playing darts with his dad and all the time. Um, From the time I was eight until the time I was 17 or whatever the exact ages were, every Sunday at this barbecue joint in Kansas, mm-hmm. they would play darts. And uh, my whole life, people have been uh, doubting me or questioning me. And I always thought it was weird. And... Uh, well, until one day I drove by a sign on the interpass that said, be curious. And I like that. And, uh, maybe, you know, if maybe if you'd been a little more curious, you would have questioned things like, do I play darts every mm-hmm. day from the time I was blah, blah, right. until the time I was blah, blah. And he just gives this really wholesome, beautiful speech that ends. So the final score, the score is 170 to 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's a little dart jargon for you, gang. When you're playing 301 or 501, which are the most common, 501 or 701 technically are the most competed in darts competitions in terms of like the pros play those games against each other. Mm-hmm. And you have to go double in, double out, which means you have to hit a double something to start scoring points and to finish the game. Mm-hmm. So it's 170 to 10. Rupert gets it down to 10, so all Rupert will need to do on his next turn is hit a double five to win the game. But it's Ted's turn. Ted needs to hit two triple 20s and then a double bullseye in that order to win the game, mm-hmm. which is really fucking difficult. Right. 170 of 180 total possible points on a turn. And Ted throws the three darts throughout this speech and then accents the speech on the double bullseye he needs to win the game. Mm-hmm. Crowd goes wild. Surprisingly, because most mm-hmm. of them don't really like Ted that much, right. supposedly. But, you know, exciting moment. Right. They're Unlike, probably all enraptured by his speech. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, I was. Anyone who was, yeah, anyone. Rupert <laughs> uh, Rupert goes, well, you're a fine consolation prize to young Rebecca. And the two of them exit. Mm-hmm. And Ted goes over, and as, as Rebecca's just in awe, like he's... Uh, oh, Ted makes the joke before he does it. I believe I'm what I'm doing what they call white knighting. 
Because <laughs> he's like stepping up. He steps up in Rebecca's honor. Like he's right. sick of the way Rupert is treating Rebecca. Right. And he steps up for the boss because he loves her. Mm-hmm. That's what Ted does, man. That's what Ted does. Right. Yep. And he whispers into Rebecca's ear after the win. And she goes, do I have to? And he nods. And she goes, drinks on me! <laughs> and, yeah. and May rings the bell again uh-huh. and everyone gets pumped. Yep. Ah, it's a, such a great... This movie, yeah. <sighs> such a well-known scene. I mean, could potentially go down as like the defining scene of the show. I, I definitely... It's on that tier, for sure. It's, it's such a chill scene. It's such a captivating monologue. Ted has about five or six of these monologues throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And most of them are usually in coaching situations. This is like the one, this is really, I think, the only one that's not in like Coach Lasso form. Right. The rest are mostly in Coach Lasso form. But this one is Ted in the real world, just being his most honest self. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what an episode. It's so good. I'm going to watch that later tonight. And Diamond Dogs ends with the big moment of Keely confronting Rebecca. So she storms in the office, and Keely st- or Rebecca goes to tell Keely. Oh, he'll never believe what Ted just did to Rupert. She's all she's on cloud nine after right. Ted just put Rupert in his place. She loved what just happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you can tell that she's still in vindictive mode after that moment because mm-hmm. Higgins comes to her and goes, "There's about ten thousand unsold tickets," and she goes, "Open them to the public." And Higgins is like, "It's gonna be like a road game in here with that. Mm-hmm. The road, the opposite team's gonna buy up all those tickets." Right. And she goes, "Good." And Higgins quits. He rage quits. He's like, I can't believe you're still doing this. Even after this moment, I'm out of here. I quit. Mm-hmm. And he even, again, accountability. Higgins in that moment. Mm-hmm. She's like, and yeah, you helped, You distracted me on lunches while Rupert paraded his bimbos through here and yada yada. And he goes, you're right. And I'll have to carry that guilt with me forever. And I'm sorry I did that. Right. But I can't be part of this anymore. And he quits. Mm-hmm. Great moment by Higgy Smalls. Mm-hmm. Love my guy Higgins. The notorious H.I.G. The notorious H.I.G. And then Keeley comes in and tells Rebecca, I know you set up that photographer. You have to, you have to tell Tad or I'll tell him for you. Mm-hmm. End episode. Mm-hmm. It's finally time. We've got two episodes left on the season, and the big conflict is going to come to a head, folks. Episode 9, All Apologies. So, this episode, it takes most of the episode for Rebecca to get the apology out. Mm-hmm. That's obviously the A story of this, of this episode is Rebecca trying to apologize to Ted, which leads to such funny moments as the first time Ted comes to the office, he brings her the biscuits. Uh, she rants for a minute and like sounds like very not herself as she's trying to get to the point, makes a couple like funny statements, and then eventually goes, Can we do this another time? And uh Ted like does a rewind thing, which is really funny, and he like puts himself in mm-hmm. rewind his eat mm-hmm. and like gets up from the chair back, walks out right. of the room backwards. <laughs> it's a really funny little Ted Lassoism as he just like does a human rewind. Um what else happens in this episode here? I'm trying to think of any of the other main plots. Um, I think this is where the episode where they're Ted's getting pressured by Nate and Beard to take Roy off the field, and That's he's refusing right. yep. to do it. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. So the coaching staff wants to bench Roy. Ted won't do it. He because Ted's Ted's stance, as it always has been, is. We're here to help these young men, and he thinks that it would really be bad for Roy psychologically long term mm-hmm. to bench him at this point in his career. Right. And and Beard's competitive competitiveness. Yeah. Beard kind of. Beard is finally like, 
boils not, over. It yeah. boils over. Yeah, we get a great. We get a, well. We get two great scenes with them. First, we get Ted goes to say to Beard on the sidelines, "What does a British owl say?" And we don't get the punchline to this joke for several episodes, so I'm not going to say it here yet. You'll have to wait. <laughs> he goes, "What does a British owl say?" And Beard just keeps walking further away right. from him. Right. And Ted's like chasing him, and I'm like, "Oh, you're playing the silent game with me, okay?" And mm-hmm. Nate's doing the same thing to him. Mm-hmm. And then they're at the pub, and Ted's still talking about how he won't do it, and he's like, "When it doesn't matter." And Beard does, and Beard goes, "But it does matter, right. damn it!" And like explodes at right. him mm-hmm. because. Those were college kids. That that credence made sense with those young men. Like those were those were kids. These are adults. These are professionals. Damn it! Mm-hmm. And winning does matter. We're about to get relegated. Do you know what that really means? And like screams at it for mm-hmm. a minute. And May's just got his back. Like hell yeah, Coach mm-hmm. Beard dropped the truth right. on him. Right. And you know throughout throughout the season, Beard's competitiveness had been yeah like on display. We haven't didn't talk about his chess chess relationship with Jane. Yeah, in yeah, the so charity the, yep, episode. In the charity episode, they're playing a game of chess without a board, which I'm always so impressed by people that can verbally play chess. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy to be able to mentally visualize a board in that way. Right. To like just be able to play it like that. So they're doing that, and then eventually Coach Beard gets too wrapped up in the. She just wants to go dance, and he's like Queen of F4 or whatever. <laughs> right. I win, checkmate. Right. And she storms off instead of dancing with him. Right. So in this episode, Jane is playing chess with a different dude in the bar. And uh, one of the guys asks him at some point, like, oh, doesn't that hurt? He's like, she's just playing her game. <laughs> and and uh, after that monologue to, 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 to Ted, she stands up and goes, that was so fucking hot. Mm-hmm. And he, he walks over to the dude she was playing chess with and goes, she's been toying with you. Mm-hmm. Playing checkmate, and the two of them walk out together. Right, and so then the coach Beard and Jane r- relationship resumes at that point. Right, good for good for Beard. I love Beard. Yeah. So all of that all happens before the big conflict between Rebecca and Ted. Rebecca comes down and goes, "Oh, Ted, we need to talk." And he goes, "Man, I've heard this before." And she goes, "I'm a fucking bitch." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Well, that's new." All right. <laughs> Well, that's new. And she makes her big grand confession about the pain that she was going through with Rupert, what led to her motivations in hiring him, the full honest truth of her sabotage attempts. Everything comes out. Mm -hmm. And Sudeikis just plays this so well. The way he receives all this news, the way you can tell, the way you see his character, Ted Lasso, process everything. And then at the end of it all, in the most Ted Lasso fashion, he goes, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Because divorce is hard no matter who's doing the leaving. Mm-hmm. And he gets up to give her a handshake, and she gives him a huge hug, and I cried. <laughs> yeah. Uh, time number two. Maybe yep. No, I'm sorry. Time number three. I missed one in the uh, road trip episode. That one got me, too, mm-hmm. during the, as he's signing the divorce paperwork right. and all that. That, yeah. that moment got me as well. So time number three. Mm-hmm. We're up to three cries for three Derek. Cries. Three cries. Um... And this is this is this is the end of Rebecca Rebecca's uh, yes plots. Yeah, so, she's now Ted Lasso team. Yeah, she's you know. team Ted from here on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, We're, no no more dislike for Rebecca here. Only awesome Rebecca from here mm-hmm. on. Right, and then the plot line of Roy getting benched. Ted eventually does take the advice of his diamond dogs. Yeah, you know his co- coaching advice, and meets up with Roy Kent and tells him that he's gonna. That he has to bench him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, Roy takes it poorly at first. And Ted tells him, 
take all the time you need. If that means you you need to sit out entirely, you need to pretend to be injured. You got to do it. Do whatever you got to do. Do whatever's best for you. Mm-hmm. But Roy takes it poorly for initially. Mm-hmm. But then they end up agreeing on it, at, and then yeah, kind so, of coming to because I think they don't oh, they it's after after Beard yells at Ted in the bar. Right. Ted finishes both. He had bought he and Beard each a beer. Beard storms out. Ted finishes both beers. And then almost walks into the street and gets hit by a bus. Right. And Roy, like, stops him from walking into the street. Mm-hmm. And then they talk it out for real. Right. I think that's a joke about the looking both ways or, like, looking, looking the, wrong the wrong way. way. On, I think you're right. Drive on a different side of the road. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I like in season two, Ted makes a throwaway joke about, oh, yeah, I'm the one with the accent here. Right. In terms of being a foreign person there. And I, I always think that's a funny joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then they agree to... I think they come to like the consensus that they can say that he's just that Roy Ken is just injured yeah. instead of yeah. putting like humiliating. Like that him. way, if I want to go play in America next year, which I would dominate, mm-hmm. I'd be over there and they'd be all like, "Oh, that was, that's what football is." Right. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so, so it's such a funny scene. Um, but then there's like a moment of growth, I think, and like leadership for Roy. It was like, d- despite this, despite the fact that he's been quote unquote you know benched he's he has has been benched that he shows up and puts on the uh the jersey for the, the B reserves, team reserves yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And puts just... on the reserves jersey stands up and goes can i can i say something here and Co- coach lasso's like floor is yours cat mm-hmm. and, and all he stands up and says is second team's gonna kick first team's asses today right. yeah. and puts on the second team yeah. jersey mm-hmm. right i mean it's just like it's a great display of leadership and yeah. like kind of taking aging in stride in some ways yeah. you know like this thing that he had been becoming very angry about and disheartened by sure you know he's now using just kind of leaning into it a little bit and becoming a better leader yeah through it indeed um oh we get one other moment in the in that regard um he's telling phoebe he asks he's talking to keely and phoebe about this and keely goes and Keely's disheartened by the fact that Roy is like only viewing himself as a football player. She goes, mm-hmm. Phoebe, come here a minute. Phoebe comes over and she's like, what do you think when I say, when I talk about your uncle Roy? And she's like, well, he's funny and he swears a lot and he buys me ice cream. Right. Yeah. And I love him very, very much. And Keely's like, it helps make her point that like no you're way more than a football player and she's like see and didn't even mention football once Mm -hmm. and that kind of helps Roy like come to peace with like oh yeah I have a life beyond football right I've built the things I've got family I've got these things that are important and valuable and always will be Mm. and this that episode ends with just like a musical montage as the guys all go out of the locker room one by one and uh, at the end it's just Roy in the locker room and he slaps the believe sign Mm -hmm. on his way out the door and uh, that moment gives me chills when he does that. Mm-hmm. And then I also think of in the first episode, we didn't mention this line. Um, he says something assholeish to Beard and Lasso. And Beard's response, uh, Lasso says something and Beard goes, imagine how angry he's going to be when we win him over. <laughs> and in that right. moment, I think of that quote every time. Right. So I'm like, yep. they won him over. Mm-hmm. They fucking did it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great episode. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts on the penultimate episode of season one before we move to the season one finale? I don't think so. I mean, I just remember getting getting through this episode and being very sad that there was only one left to watch. Yeah. 
Luckily, I got into the season or the series a little bit late, so I only had to wait like two or three months. I got into it right as season two was starting. Mm-hmm. So like I ended season one and there was two episodes available of season two. Okay. So then I got to watch those first two and then I was playing the weekly waiting game mm-hmm. as the new episodes dropped. Yep. I like the waiting game. It reminds me of... I like it a lot. I, I mean, I like to binge stuff too, but... I only play the waiting game with some shows. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, some some shows I'll wait for a full season to run and that way I can just watch it all right. at once. Like, I actually haven't seen Westworld season four yet because I was just waiting for the whole thing to run mm-hmm. so I could just binge it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of funny. Martha's stepdad um, makes himself play the waiting game even with shows that are released... In, in like a full season nice. where he'll watch one episode then wait a week. <laughs> That's awesome. That. Isn't that funny? I like that. Yeah. So I, I watch so. Stranger Things across like two months. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the final episode, aptly titled, The Hope That Kills You. And uh, this episode, that the title is derived from a running theme that apparently in Richmond lore and in the fandom lore, the common expression is, haven't you ever heard? It's the hope that kills you. And Ted does not like this phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the episode, we have that the plot line of them getting ready for their final game of the season, which it's eventually revealed that they'll need to win and they don't get relegated. And they'll, there'll be a chance that if they tie, they don't get relegated, but they won't know till game day. And mm-hmm. Ted's like, no, 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 we're not even preparing for that. Win and we're in. That's it. That's right. what we're focused on. Also, Roy has to find a replacement captain because he's not starting anymore. Mm-hmm. The captain has to start the game. So um, he's trying to decide who his new captain's going to be. Roy Kent decides Isaac McAdoo to be his re- replacement after Isaac throws a chair at a TV because Jamie Tart says something shitty about the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roy, when he hands him the captain like sleeve thing that they wear, says, never stop breaking TVs. Right. Yep. Uh, like, uh, he decided on his captain replacement based on passion, which mm-hmm. I thought was cool. And it's worth noting that the team that they're playing is Manchester City, where Jamie is. So you get the yeah the head-to-head of That's right. Jamie versus old yeah. team. And not only that, for people that, like, know English football better than I do, because I don't, I don't know shit about the sport, so I figured this out about after watching the show. Mm-hmm. Manchester City is one of, like, the dominant teams of that league. Right. Whereas, like... Richmond is being portrayed as obviously bottom tier of that. Mm -hmm. So it's already a David Goliath match to begin with. Plus you're going to have the matchup against their former player, Jamie Tart. Mm -hmm. And with no Roy Kent. And with no Roy Kent seemingly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So all the pieces are in play. We've, we've built the the whole season is really built up to this match. This is a classic sports story Mm -hmm. in this, in this final here. I love that. I love watching like anything like that, like Miracle or where it yeah. comes, all leads up to a game. It all leads up to a big game. And it's nil-nil for a long time, and they're pretty proud. And then they uh, they eventually are still scrapping for it. Mm-hmm. And Ted decides to bring Roy Kent into the game to start the second half. It's still nil-nil at that point. And then there's a moment where it seems like Jamie Tart's about to get on a breakaway and no one's going to catch him. And Roy, after this, two episodes in a row, talking about how he's slowed down, he's not doesn't have the speed he used to, and he's too slow to play now. And they hammer that point home. Roy gets one last burst to catch up to Jamie and gets a clean steal on the ball, but in the process hurts his knee. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Here's time number four. The show made me cry. Um, he's down for the count. And Sam Obasanya comes over after earlier in the season, having been comforted while being down by Roy, comes over to check on him. And Roy's like, I got to go out. It's my knee. It's fucked. Mm-hmm. And as they're pulling him to his feet, you hear the crowd erupting. Mm-hmm. With, he's here. He's there. He's every fucking where Roy can't. Roy can't. And uh, the, the, crowd, the fandom's losing it with that song. The bar that we tune in on and all the big mm-hmm. games is all singing the song. And Roy's face as he's taking in probably the last time he'll be in front of the fans in his mind as he is as it's dawning on him with this type of knee injury, like, yeah, my career's mm-hmm. over right now. Right. Uh, all those emotions, the song, it, it gets me cried at that mm-hmm. moment as he's escorted off the field. He claps at the fans to show him that he can walk of his own validity and to thank them for the song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Touching stuff. Mm-hmm. It is touching. Yeah. Man City eventually gets a goal, which mm-hmm. the announcers of the football match are saying, this is the goal that's been coming all game. Right. One nil. One nil. And then you get to a moment where it's the back end of the football game and the crowd starts reacting to something as they're all looking at their phones. And you see Nate just kind of like perk his ears towards it to try to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he goes, holy shit, Crystal Palace or whatever, won six to one. Mm -hmm. All we need is a tie. Mm -hmm. About five minutes left of regulation. And... Ted's finally in on, okay, a tie gets us there. Let's, mm-hmm. we, we only need a tie. We only need a tie. <laughs> right. And tell me about the final, the the play after that. It's like they they pull a trick play. They pull a trick. trick. So they practiced a bunch of trick plays earlier in the episode. Right. Uh, ranging from like uh, Beckham's to Hodger. Uh, there was a bunch of funny names for mm-hmm. trick plays. The yep. salt and pepper shakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bunch of funny trick play names. And right. they decided to pull a trick play out with this mm-hmm. last couple minutes. Left. And it's and it's and they set up like an American gridiron football team. They call right. it the Coach Lasso. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they set up like uh, they've got the goalie behind the rest of the line, line up like linemen. And the goalie is like making hut hut calls like mm-hmm. a football player. And the opponents are all confused as hell. Like, what the, what right. the hell's going on? <laughs> And then they all burst and spread in different directions. And they're like, oh, the defense is in a panic. Right. And they get the ball perfectly to Sam Obasanya, mm-hmm. who gets a beautiful pass to Danny Rojas. Mm-hmm. 1-1. Goal. <laughs> they're all celebrating. Yeah. Celebrating their asses off. Nate's jumping into coach's arms. Uh, everyone's celebrating. And then the camera's on the coaching bench. And all of a sudden, you see Coach Beard's face change Mm -hmm. drastically. Mm -hmm. Jamie Tart, the second that that goal got scored, got the ball back out and was like, game still goes. Mm -hmm. Like, for those that don't know English football slash soccer well, um, it's not the type of game that there's like a big stop every time there's a score and then like an official restart of the game. It's like, no, the game just continues. So, all of a sudden, Jamie Tart, the best scorer on the team, is driving. Mm Mm-hmm. And dodging past multiple Richmond players. Coach Beard's looking panicked. And sure enough, after a full season of being told by Ted Lasso to make the extra pass and not be the selfish player, which he wouldn't listen to previously, Jamie Tart, what does he do, Ryan? He makes the extra pass, and it's a beautiful pass. Oh, an ace of a pass. Mm -hmm. Which is... uh, And Man City scores right at the end. Mm -hmm. Richmond loses. They get relegated. Music hits. 
Mm-hmm. Gut punch feeling. Like, I had never experienced this type of gut punch feeling from, like, a right. sports story before. Right. Where it was just like... Because normally this is the big triumphant moment where the team wins the game they need to win. Right. After I learned what relegation was, then I... Yeah. Yeah, it hit harder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this moment really sits and weighs on you because it's just so unexpected. You're just like, you've, you feel like you hit the big triumphant sports moment of like, oh, they got the goal they needed to do the thing. This is the celebration moment in the sports story normally. Mm-hmm. And then gut punch. They're right. out. Right. And, and Coach then, Lasso gives a great speech. That's a goldfish, goldfish. again. Yep. Brings back the goldfish thing he had mm-hmm. said to Sam Obasanya earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Beautiful speech. Every, oh, um, also the Keeley and Roy Kent moment in the locker room after Roy. Roy goes back mm-hmm. to the locker room by himself. Keeley exits the box where she had been watching with Rebecca and goes back to comfort him. And he's like, get out of here. You're not welcome back here during the game. Mm-hmm. She just keeps walking in anyway and eventually just puts her arm around him and she and he cries into her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Beautiful moment from a beautiful couple. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the episode ends in sadness as... Uh, or reaches its end in sadness. Coach Beard brings a note from Coach Lasso. Right. We see, start to see, we actually see Jamie's dad. That's right. Right. And Jamie's yeah. dad's all pissed that he yeah. made the pass. Yeah. Right? So Why Coach, La- you... Coach Lasso is approaching the visiting locker room to essentially congratulate Jamie on making the extra pass, we presume. Mm-hmm. And he looks through a window and sees Jamie's dad throw something at him and is like yelling at him, like, I didn't travel all the way to here to watch my son make a fucking pass. But he could have kicked the winning goal and blah, 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 and just yelling at him. So Ted walks right. away, sends the note with Coach Beard to the bus that just says, way to make the extra pass. And inside is a little army man, mm-hmm. which I have a theory on, which we'll get to later. Cool. But I have an army man theory. Sweet. But uh, we've seen these army men throughout the season. Uh, Ted had received a whole care package from his son at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. which included a baggie full of these little plastic green army men. Right. Uh, which we get, he gives a handful of boy. He gives one to Sam Obasanya on his and birthday. Sam, that's funny. That's with a Sam's funny. replying line is really right. funny. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I think you know, like the the U.S. military means something very different to my yeah. people, like to my country. And Ted's like, oh yeah, imperialism. And he's like, yeah, imperialism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, he he rejects the Green Army man, but mm-hmm. likes the other part of the gift that Ted had given him. In that right. Moment. And I think the whole the whole season ends with Ted trying to resign right correct going up to rebecca and just be like i understand i'm out of my league here i'm sorry that he's like oh you're not it's like we have to get ready for next season you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh well so, and you, you get a great moment between ted and rebecca so he tries to resign and she's like i'm not letting you resign no we got work to do next year mm-hmm. and uh so then he asks her, he's like, so we can get relegated. Does that mean that we can get back up? And she goes, you can get a promotion. And he <laughs> makes the funny joke of, oh, which looks good on any resume. Right. <laughs> so we go up, we get a promotion, and then we come back the next year and we do something that nobody thinks we can do. And she goes, what's that? And one of the very few Ted Lasso F-bombs mm-hmm. win the whole fucking thing. Right. And uh, he then goes to take a sip of water. And like he does at the beginning of the series as well, when he, when he drinks it and it's carbonated to his mm-hmm. surprise, spits it out and just spits all over <laughs> Rebecca's face. Right. Just like covers her face <laughs> and then goes, oh, sorry, did I get you? <laughs> and that's where the right. season ends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the best first seasons. You know, we talk sometimes about how sitcom takes takes Many. a season, right? For a Many. lot of them. This yeah, one I... took three episodes. And even the first two are great. So yeah. it's just like... 
it goes from like great first couple episodes to like oh mm-hmm. an amazing show from then on. Right. It's definitely a u- unique sitcom. Like yeah. it's you it's can part make drama. the argu- yeah you can make the argument that it's not part of it, but we've chosen to inc- include it for a number of reasons, not the least of which because we fucking love it. It's, a, we fucking love it, and B, because it, it is first and foremost a sitcom. And in terms of jokes per minute, mm-hmm. there's almost always jokes happening. Like, right. there's some really serious stuff, and you get some really heavy emotion in it. Mm-hmm. But at its core, it's Joke City. Right. Yep. Jokes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Certainly a comedy. Certainly, Certainly a com- comedy. Certainly situational. Yeah. He's a TP in a wigwam right now. What's that? Right. He's too tense. <laughs> Boom! Right, yep. <laughs> Like, there's so many little one-liners throughout the series that right. Ted drops that are just, like, so mm-hmm. funny. But I think it was a good time to stop, actually. Yeah. We'd originally planned on doing uh, a full Ted Lasso retrospective in one episode, but clearly season one took longer than we thought at an hour and 40 minutes of recording time right now. So we're going to treat this as its own episode. We'll do season two as its own episode. And then um, either do our season three theories and thoughts at the end of season two or as its own third episode. We'll see how the recording times go on season two. Right. We'll, but, just call uh, it, we'll call it a three-season series. Yeah, that's right. Three episode series. That's right. Three-episode <laughs> series right. on Ted Lasso. Um, I do, as I've mentioned to you before, I likely plan on doing weekly reactions to Ted Lasso when the new season Perfect. comes as well. Um, at that point, after Laugh Track, we'll bump up to two episodes mm-hmm. a week. Cause we could even like hang out and watch the episode and then just hop in. That's what I'm hoping to do. Like Set this up, watch the episode, yeah. boom, and come over instant here. Instant reaction recording. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I really want to because it's just such fun. an amazing show. And cool. it gives me and you a reason to get together weekly, which would be just that's adorable. Great. Yeah, so yeah. cute. So cute. We're crazy adorable. <laughs> and speaking of things that are crazy adorable, the five-star button on the po- podcast streaming services, pretty adorable. Four stars, not as cute. Three, two, and one stars, not cute at all. But five stars, very cute. Uh, also, comments, whether good or bad, utterly adorable. Like, you know, if you want to roast us, feel free. We got thick skin. We can take a joke. I like jokes. Feel free to mock us. You know, do your thing. Or if you want to say nice stuff, you can as well, you know. Uh, but make the comments if you feel like it and subscribe and like and do all the other bullshit that people tell you to do all the time on podcasts. You've heard it a million times, folks. And you'll hear it a million more. Do it. Do it. Be cool. Uh, also make sure to check out some of the other fun stuff we're doing here at Good Fun Media. Aside from After the Laugh Track, which you can catch every Thursday, you can also find our Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom podcast, Morons of the Multiverse, dropping every Wednesday, and our sports gambling podcast, D2B2 Sports, every Friday. So uh, check those out too if you got some time and or you are interested in those topics. If you're not, that's cool, you know? It's like, you know, I'm not going to try to force you to listen to some shit that you don't care about. But if you happen to be a fan of those things, we ramble about those too. Check it out. Ryan, any closing thoughts for the people? Any fond goodbye wishes? Any hopes, dreams, and aspirations you want to let them in on? I just hope everyone had a happy Halloween. Ooh, we also, like yeah, we, we also hope that you had a happy Halloween. This will be like a mid to late November release also, so... You might even be right post-Thanksgiving by the time we drop this episode. I hope everyone has or has had a happy Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, that's nice. See, there we go. We're going to cover all the bases. Uh, Ryan and I will be coming back at you again some other time, as will Martha and I, as will the combination of all three of us, as will Alex and I and Eric and I. There's so many combos to be had Mm -hmm. and so much fun shit to do. So uh, stay tuned to After Laugh Track coming at you every Thursday. We love you. Peace. Peace. Peace.